Welcome everybody. Good, good, um, good afternoon to all. Today is Thursday. It is the second of September, and it is right before Rosh Hashanah. We're a couple days to Rosh Hashanah. Today's class is just a little longer than usual. It's more wordy. There are more sources today, more sections, but it is worth every second of it because the content is bomb, 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 one hundred percent the best stuff, and it is the perfect introduction to get you in the swing of the high holy days of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. So here it goes. The coming up month is full, full of holidays. You have Rosh Hashanah, then you have Yom Kippur, then you have the week-long holiday of Sukkot, followed by Simchat Torah, and here is a good time to add in a plug. Order your lulav from Chabad Rural Georgia at our website, forward slash lulav, L-U-L-A-V, Get yourself a lulav and a trug. It's only 70 bucks and it'll last you a week. It's $10 a day. It's a good investment. Okay, but moving on. So you have a full week of holidays. There are so many holidays filled with prayers, filled with celebrations. It can be so easy to get lost in every day's specifics. And if we don't prepare, how are we going to know the value of each one of the days and what they bring and certainly how they all flow together? The Rebbe in 1958 pieced the whole map together of the, um, of the holidays, the, how each one, what it does and how it flows into the next and how it is all culminated with Simchat Torah. Let's take a look. So open up your source sheets. We're at... We're looking at section A, the three crowns and the sources from Mishnah, Pirkei Avot, chapter 4, Mishnah 13. And it reads, Rabbi Shimon said, there are three crowns. There is the crown of Torah, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of kingship. But the crown of a good name supersedes them all. On this Mishnah, the the Sixth, Lubavitcher Rebbe has what to share. And he says the following. This happens at a Simchat Torah gathering where he's speaking to his students. This is <clears throat> taking place in 1938. And he says the following. He says that a previous Rebbe wrote the following comments. He says there are three crowns. The crown of Torah, the crown of priesthood, the crown of kingship. What are they? The crown of kingship represents Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, we coronate the king. We coronate God as our king. Parenthetically, we should therefore treasure every prayer which focuses on God's kingship because this is the focus of the day of Rosh Hashanah. Then you have the crown of priesthood. That's with reference to the holiday where the, the high priest is celebrated most, Yom Kippur. And then you have the, the crown of the Torah, the crown of Torah that represents Shmini Atzeret and Simchat Torah, the last two days of the Sukkot holiday. But there is another crown. What is that crown? The crown, the crown of the good name. And the Mishnah said that the crown of the good name goes above all the others. What is the crown of the good name? It is represents the idea that the Torah study is great because it leads to action. Let's take a look. 
Immediately on this, the Rebbe jumps in with a fantastic sicha, and let's go around the table. Um, we will we'll go. We're going to skip the first two paragraphs of from the sicha. It is a review of the Mishnah and the previous comment that we have. Now, in this in this. Divided, it's into three parts. This is a piece of the liturgy of Rosh Hashanah, source number four, and you get the lucky chance to hear the esteemed cantor Rabbi Chaim Markovitz knock it off for you. Are you guys ready for this? Everything that has been created, understand that you have created it. And may everyone who has the breath of life in his nostrils declare that the Lord, God of Israel, is king and his kingship has dominion over all. And this brings us to the Rebbe's second comment um, in this section. And here we go. Rosh Hashanah, the definition. The crown of kingship refers to the act of accepting God's sovereignty. This is the first matter a Jew should undertake, the commitment to be a servant of the Almighty. This constitutes one's first connection with godliness. The central idea of Rosh Hashanah is the coronation of God over the world. This is the day we reaffirm his sovereignty over us. And we declare how through our prayers and through the shofar, we declare our commitment to his directives. And this is expressed throughout the whole prayers, throughout the prayers in many different ways, but fun but fundamentally, it happens during these three sections, which we've called Malchayot, Zichronot, and Shofarot, kingship, remembrances, and Shofarot, which are all revolving around the exact same theme that God has created and God is the ruler of. This explains why in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, we say that this is this day is the beginning of your works, a remembrance to the first day. In Hebrew, So everyone wants to know, how come we call Rosh Hashanah? How can you, you can't say about Rosh Hashanah that it's the first day of creation, because it isn't. Rosh Hashanah is the culmination of creation. The world was be, began to be created on the 25th of um, on the 25th of Elul. And it takes six days until we arrive at Rosh Hashanah. And finally, you get to Rosh Hashanah. This is the day, this is the day of the beginning of all of your deeds. You have here that you have the creation of man and you have the ultimateness of the world in all of action. Why is it so that you've got to say that the, that the, Rosh Hashanah is not on the first day of creation, but rather on the day of Adam. Because a king cannot be a king without underlings, without 
citizens to whom, to whom he can be the king for, right? Say it, say it, um, say it in other words, in more, in more uh, relatable words. We have a president, and the president can't be a president if you don't have all of the citizens that that allow the president and welcome the president to be their president. The same thing: a ruler, any kind of ruler, any kind of good ruler, needs to be elected by the people desired by the people but if there are no people over whom will he rule so with the creation of human beings then kingship becomes possible and there was now beings on this sixth day of creation and each of these beings are able to on their own recognize that god creates them and god maintains them and as such now we can have rulership now we can have kingship and that's why 5782 years ago we have the first day of creation that's why we have the first day of god ruling over and we remember the holiday with recognizing his kingdom so each year when that day arrives, God contemplates, this is what happens in Rosh Hashanah. This is the inside mechanics of Rosh Hashanah. You want to know what's going on in Rosh Hashanah? Brian, do you want to know what's happening in Rosh Hashanah? On Rosh Hashanah, Hashem is wondering, do I or do I not? Do you remember as a kid, you used to pick up the daffodils and pull off one leaf at a time and say, yeah or no, yeah or no. Whichever one that came to the end, that's how you behaved. Whichever one, whichever leaf was the last, last petal to be pulled off the daffodil. So in a, in a similar, but not similar at all kind of way, Hashem is contemplating if he wants to recreate the world from the moment of the moment of settling in a Rosh Hashanah all the way until the blowing of the shofar. And in a way... He's also looking at us, and we're reacting to that. Um, we're saying back, we're saying, am I, am I in? Am I in on this? Am I going to be, was my last year good enough, and will I this year be the best person that I can be, the best servant of God that I can be? That's also happening in Rosh Hashanah. And at the moment of blowing the shofar, that's when we say we accept God's kingship. It's a moment of coronation. It's a moment of saying, um, it's a moment of saying, now we're involved. Now we're ready to play. Now we are in. And so this is what I want to, this, that is the notion of Rosh Hashanah right there. That's the, Rosh, that's the notion of Rosh Hashanah. Um, and that is what happens at that moment. We accept God's kingship with enthusiasm and we commit ourselves to fulfill his will and and then God says, okay, I'll stick to this. I'll hold on to this world. It's worth having it. And that happens at Shofar. So if you were wondering what is the most vital point of the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, it's really hearing the Shofar, right? So don't zoom it because you can't zoom Shofar. Be in shul. Hear that Shofar blasted really loud. If you can't be in shul, get your own Shofar and blow it really loud and blow it well. If you don't know how to blow it, Give me a uh, give me a call. We'll do some virtual trainings. That is the idea of Rosh Hashanah. Let us move forward into section C, the crown of priesthood. 
We're moving, guys. We are moving today. And from Rosh Hashanah, now that we know what Rosh Hashanah is, we want to know what Yom Kippur is. Let's take a look. Accepting, um, accepting God's sovereignty will not suffice. The Jews' ultimate goal is to become one with God. And this is not achieved by merely accepting God's sovereignty. A person who lives with the commitment, with this commitment remains separate from God. He doesn't identify with the commandments of the master. He just fulfills them only out of obligation. That's the guy who says, okay, I'll do what I'm told. That is the yes, dear move. I'll do what I'm told. Therefore, Rosh Hashanah is followed by the service of Yom Kippur. We need another holiday to fix us. When the high priest enters the Holy of Holies, the home of the tablets with the Ten Commandments, and on the Ten, the Ten Commandments, how were they written? They weren't written pen on paper. Rather, they were written, um, they, were in, they were engraved. They, instead, the Ten Commandments were etched in the stone, becoming one and the same. In contrast to writing pen and paper, where there are two separate entities, the ink is being applied to the paper and gravity is holding it down. Or maybe it's soaking into the paper, but it doesn't, it's not definitely not soaking into the paper, right? It's depending on the pen. Okay, so in our lives, this means the attempt to make our connection with God not only one of obligation and acceptance, but one in which it becomes a part of who we are and what we desire and enjoy. That, my friends, is a whole different story right here. And we've got to ask ourselves, each person in your own life, what are the things that you hold on to and you do them pen and paper style? And what are the things that to you are etched in stone? What are the non-violatable things in your life? You know, if someone came to me and said, Rabbi, could you, could you come visit me on Shabbat? I only live an hour and two hours away. Right? My answer would be, of course, if I'm there for the whole week, if I'm there for the full weekend, I can be there. But you won't see me in a car on Shabbat. It's etched in stone. There's no way it's happening. Right? And there's other things. You know, there's other things. Um, you know, there are pen, then there are pen and paper things. There are things that whatever. Rabbi, do you need to be in the office today? No. Right? Does the office and does the office phone actually have to take my call this afternoon? Also not. It's pen and paper. It doesn't really need to be. There's some things that must be. Something so each person in their lives should find those things that are pen and paper. Recognize them that they're pen and paper. And then there are some things which are etched in stone. Must happen moments in your life. Okay. So um, every holiday had um, has its own unique service in the temple passover is the family holiday all the family gathers together around consuming the lamb the korban pesach the sacrifice of pesach and that's its holiday sukkot is the holiday of joy and the service of yom kippur is characterized by the high by the special service done by the high priest. So one, one of the most fascinating things, we, never, we always say that Judaism is not a spectator activity. Every person has a personal participation 
in their Judaism. Every person is, is personally involved in Judaism. When it comes to Yom Kippur, however, the whole service from beginning to end, even the things that are usually done by other people, the whole service is performed by the high priest, which is a total of, are you guys ready for this number? 15 sacrifices on Yom Kippur, all performed by the high priest. May we merit to see it all this year. For the most part, the priests in the entire nation did not take part in the service. They would stand by and watch the high priest silently. There was, however, one moment when they did participate. What was it? When the high priest would call out the special name of Hashem, which we don't know how to pronounce anymore, the whole nation would prostrate themselves on the floor and they would call out, that's what it says in the Mahzar. You'll see that on Yom Kippur this year. You'll look for it and you'll find it. And if you don't find it, get rid of that Mahzar. Because this is a Talmudic entry into the Siddur. Okay, but, for the, but on that notion, by the way, there is also a Mishnah digression. There is a Mishnah that says, and no one ever said, there is not enough place for me in the temple. Because, and this is its reference to the prostration of Yom Kippur when everyone bowed down and there was space for all. Now, everyone, the entire nation goes to the temple. They're all watching the high priest doing the special service and they would anxiously await his exit from the Holy of Holies. Jews would come from as far as Babylonia and Egypt, Babylon and Egypt, to watch and partake in the services. And they had to assemble barricades around the area where people were allowed to stand so that they wouldn't overflow into the area where no man should enter if they are not a Kohen. Now, what is the most exciting part of the service of the, of the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, on Yom Kippur? It's bringing the incense into the Holy of Holies. Remember that Kohen Gadol goes into the holiest place, the holiest person, the holiest place, and the holiest day of the year, and only once. So the Kohen Gadol goes into the Holy of Holies with a special collection of wood and, and other things are prepared and, and ready to go. And he himself would prepare it. He would wash his hands and he would go in and would perform the service. Let's read about it in source number five. And I'm going to elect our special friend who joined us today. Please, Brian, will you read for us source number five in English? Uh. I don't have the You don't have the sources. Okay, let's. We, so you, this is what we're gonna do. Select. It was yep. uploaded. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put the link over here. I'm gonna ask Robert. You'll read us from source number five, and then Brian will read from source number six. Is that okay? He took the coal. He took the coal pan in his right hand, and the spoon in his left hand. The high priest would then walk west through the sanctuary until he reaches the area between the two curtains that separated the sanctuary and the Holy of Holies until he reaches the opening to the north. When he reaches the opening to the north, he enters the Holy of Holies through that opening, turns his face to the south, and walks to his left along the curtain until he reaches the area before the ark. When he reaches the ark, he places the coal pan between the two staves. He piles the incense atop the coals, and the whole chamber in its entirety would fill with smoke. He then exits and comes out the way that he entered. He does not turn around, but leaves the Holy of Holies walking while facing the ark. And he recites a brief prayer in the outer chamber in the sanctuary. 
and he would not extend his prayer th there so as not to alarm the Jewish people who would otherwise conclude that something had happened and that he had died in the Holy of Holies. Thank you, Reb Shmuel. Okay, so here you have the, the experience of the of the high priest going in, doing the 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 bringing the incense into the holy of holies, and he offers a special prayer over there. And what we're going to see is, for a moment, we're going to see um, source number six is divided into two. Number one, it tells us the te the text of his prayer, and then and then number two. He tells us what happens once the, once the Kohen Gadol stayed to pray a little extra and people got anxious. Why do you think they got anxious? Because the, the worry is that the Kohen Gadol is not um, fit for the service. And, um, and if he wasn't fit for the service, it is very possible that he would not live through the holiday. He would pass away in the Holy of Holies. In fact, um, there was a period of time in Jewish history where um, corruption took over the administration in the temple, and people from the Kohen tribe bought their way into being the, the Kohen Gadol. And so the, we're told that um, they recycled Kohen Gadols every year because they were never fitting to be in there. And um, Or maybe if I recall that they, they replaced him just for Yom Kippur, something like that. So let's get Brian, can you read for us source number six, both paragraphs, please. I'm sorry, every time I click on it, it just takes me off the screen and doesn't go anywhere. So I don't know what's going on. Okay. So you know what? We'll ask Robert to read it for us again. Brian, you will be represented well. May it be your will, Lord our God, that this year shall be rainy and hot. May the rule of, of power not depart from the house of Judah. And may your nation Israel not depend on each other for sustenance. Rather, they should be sustained from the produce of their land. And let not the prayer of travelers enter your presence when they pray for the rain to stop on their travels. There was an incident involving a certain high priest who extended his prayer, and his fellow priests took a vote, counted, and decided to go in after him out of concern that he had died or fainted and required assistance. They began to enter, and at that moment he emerged. They said to him, why did you extend your prayer? He said to them, why not? Does it trouble you that I prayed for you and for the temple not to be destroyed? They said to him, do not make a habit of doing so. And the reason why was because they would have, the young Kohens would have ended up going in there, which is against the rules, and um, that would have been trouble. So um, as we said, going in going in and out for the Kohen is actually a source of anxiety for the people because who knows if the Kohen will make it out alive. Now, what else is in the Holy of Holies? There is the Ark. And then there is the tablets. These are the tablets that were placed there by Moses, by instruction of God. And how are the tablets written? Remember, we discussed this a moment ago. They're engraved, right? So we're back to the tablets. And so, you know, we've learned that the, co that the tablets are, in a way, the tablets are a person who is doing, devoted, doing what the king wants from him. But he may not enjoy it. Sorry, that's, that's instructions. That's sovereignty. That's having a king. When you have a king and you do what, you do what the king says, right? It, is it me? 
Not really. It's more like I'm doing what I'm told. But the engraving experience, that is me being totally involved. It's, I'm so involved that it's part of me. I'm desperate to do it. I'm excited to do it. And I want to do it. This is the essence of Yom Kippur. On Rosh Hashanah, we accept the yoke of the king, but it is only out of a sense of obligation. Since such an attitude lacks of warmth and it lacks enthusiasm, it remains separate from the Torah. But on Yom Kippur, we go to a higher level. We go up. How do we go up? We go up to a, to a moment where the Kohen Gadol is walking into the Holy of Holies where the Ten Commandments are and they're engraved. We go into a space of being of having God etched into ourselves. And that, then it becomes a part of it, part of us. And we end up not just doing things because we have to, we're doing our commandments because we want to. So now my friends, what else is there? We're doing the commandments because we want to. What could be better? We've done the crown of the crown of king of kingship. We've done the crown of of holiness. Now we need to do the crown of Torah, the third crown, because we introduced with a Mishnah, Mishnah chapter four, Mishnah thirteen, which says there are three kind of crowns, and then there's a fourth one which is better. Let's take a look. So now, open up to source number seven. We bring three sentences from the prayers of Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah in the diaspora. Diaspora is the ninth day of the Sukkot um, marathon. The first seven days are the holiday of Sukkot. On the eighth day, the, the obligation to sit in the Sukkot is already concluded. We sit in there anyway because we love the sukkah so much, it's hard to separate from it. And because the environment of the holiday is so strong remaining, nevertheless. The ninth day is called Simchat Torah. It's a celebration of the conclusion of learning the entire, of, of experiencing the year with the Torah together. And on that day, we dance. And I want to invite you, every Jew in rural Georgia is invited to join um, myself and uh, my fellow congregants at Beth Tefillah in Atlanta for a safe Simchat Torah experience, which will be something that you have never experienced before. If I recall correctly, last year, Simchat Torah, we only finished the service after dancing and celebrating the Torah well after 3 p.m., and that was with an early start because the celebration goes and it goes and it goes and it goes because every person, even someone who hasn't studied, is able to celebrate the Torah. Let's take a look at source number seven. It's from the Simchat Torah liturgy and it reads as follows. Sisu v'simcha, sisu v'simchu, v'simchat Torah, utnukavod la Torah. Rejoice and exalt on Simchat Torah and pay homage to the Torah. For its goods are superior to all other goods, more precious than fine gold and gems. Let us delight and rejoice with this Torah, for it, for it is our life, it is our strength, and our light. And here we go with the Rebbe, the, the, the intellectual connection. The crown of priesthood isn't enough either. A person must engage 
in the crown of Torah. The oneness with God, which we strive for, should not engage only our external faculties, like our sense of will and pleasure, but also our inner faculties, beginning with our intellect. The goal is that our mind should understand godliness and become one with it. This is the crown of Torah. Because Torah is, as the verse says, your wisdom and understanding, which is an intellectual pursuit. Accepting the yoke of God and even internalizing it on Yom Kippur, still not enough. We need something more. We need to bring God into our minds. We need to bring God into our intellect. Some people want to serve Hashem. They want to fulfill His will. It's not that they enjoy it. They don't enjoy it. But they do it because Hashem told them to. They do it because they know that's what they're meant to do. In other words, they're dedicating their actions to Hashem, but they're not so involved. That's the Rosh Hashanah Jew. Then there are people on a higher level. They enjoy doing Hashem's will. They want to do it. They engage in it with pleasure, with enthusiasm, but they're not always sure what they're doing. They don't know why they're up to what they're up to. You know, we wrap tefillin every, every morning, right? Put one on your arm and you wrap, 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 ten, ten times around, right? Go, go figure why we do that until, until people meet me. They're like, hey, what, what is all this stuff about? Then you ask the rabbi and he gives you an explanation. Whatever action they're engaged in, they may not understand it. So those people, they're giving to God their actions and they're even giving to God their heart. That's a Yom Kippur Jew. He's fully devoted. He's fully in. And he loves it. He loves it. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't know why he's up to it. But Hashem wants our mind. It's not enough to do what Hashem, Hashem wants. It's not enough to do with enthusiasm. He wants us to understand it as well. And, you know, have you ever walked into a Jewish home and discovered a library larger than your local public library? Why do Jews have so many books? Because we're spending our day studying God's Torah to understand what Hashem wants from us and to understand how to do it and how to best connect with Him. Why is it so important to understand? You know, the Torah isn't important because it gives us a final ruling of how to behave. Its significance is actually that it has in it godly wisdom. You know, the, Torah, the, the, the Talmud gets involved in these minutia, in the most detailed experiences and questions and answers and, and observations of human behaviors. And sometimes you even have scenarios that never are going to happen. It's things that will never happen, but the Talmud has it worked out play by play already. Why do we have so much of discussion? Because this is revealing God's will. This is the understanding Hashem wants to impart to us. And what happens when you study Torah? You actually pull, you, you surround your mind and you involve your mind completely in the knowledge of God. And that is like the ultimate engagement for the brain in, thing, in matters of Hashemliness, of godliness. So Simchat Torah is actually representing our intellectual connection with Hashem. And that in addition to our actions and our emotions, we dedicate our intellect to God as well. So, my friends, we've discussed three crowns. 
We've discussed the, the crown of kingship, the crown of priesthood, and the crown of Torah. And these are all in the month of Tishrei. So when is going to be the crown of the good name? Go back to the first Mishnah. The, the first Mishnah we studied, there are three crowns, but there's one crown that's more important than all of them. That's the crown of the good name. When do we engage with that crown? Ah, let's get there now. So the three crowns, they actually focus on a person's personal journey. And it's in that journey when a person empowers himself with the necessary spiritual powers to achieve the goal of true fulfillment of the mitzvah. That's what's happening during the month of Tishrei. It's filled with the spiritual energy and it carries a person through the year. So in a moment, we'll read source eight. But before we do that, imagine a guy. Imagine this conversation. Two, two people are sitting together and they say they've been studying forever. One fellow says to his friend, you know, we've been studying for so long and we both know kind of the same information. How come it takes you to pray so much longer? How come you pray for so many more hours than I do? So he says, well, you know, here's, imagine if you had to go to the, uh, to the annual show to buy, to buy your, your wares to sell in your store. And as, and, and, so one year you figure instead of me going to the store, let me imagine my way to the store. I'll imagine my way to the store. I'll imagine every, every moment of the drive. I'll imagine every stop in every, in every hotel I have a membership with. And um, you'll imagine haggling for prices at the expo. And then you'll imagine driving it all back in your 16-wheeler truck. And then you'll imagine unloading it. And, and you save yourself. And you can do that whole imagination in a couple of minutes. You don't have to go there. It's a good idea, right? So he says to him, what do you mean? The fellow says, how can you imagine this experience? You need to bring home the goods. That's what's happening in Rosh Hashanah on, throughout the month of Tishrei. Throughout the month of Tishrei, we're going to the show. And we're getting the stuff. And we're loading up our truck. We're going to the warehouse and loading up our truck. And then... We start heading home. And when you get home, you have to unload it all. You have to unpack it. Source number eight. Now, after the holidays, it is time to unpack the packages of goods that we amassed over the holidays. Being that, and Jacob went on his way, we now proceed to the service of Torah and mitzvot according to the teachings of Hasidism. What happens on, on, the, on, the, uh, on the last days, right at the end of Tishrei, at the end of the month, in Shul, they make an announcement. They say, which means Jacob went on his way. In Australia, we say, hit the road, Jack. Get going. The month of Tishrei, we spend nearly a half of it, nearly half of it you spend in synagogue. That's right. Right? You spend half the month in synagogue. Half the month you spend in prayer, at family meals, celebrations, extra Jewish activities that don't feature throughout the year. It's in that month that we load up 
We overwhelm ourselves with Jewish activities. Did you know that most shuls see a, a steep decline in attendance the week after Sukkot? Synagogues see a decline in attendance because people have had, they've had an overload of Judaism. It's too much, Rabbi. And so what do they do? They don't come to shul the next week because they've loaded up their bags and now they have to unpack. Let's take a look. The Rebbe, final crown implementation. A culmination of this journey is the fulfillment of mitzvot. Now the fulfillment of mitzvahs focuses on the physical. Their main goal is not to transform the individual, but on the contrary, to go out of oneself and one's personal spiritual state and start to engage with the physical material world. Excuse me. For this reason, this stage is called the good name. A name is something that is used when engaging with another and is irrelevant to one's personal identity. Yeah, we, in the previous paragraph, we're not talking about ourselves anymore. Now we're talking about the next one. Nonetheless, this crown supersedes all the spiritual achievements of the other crowns of kingship, priesthood, and Torah of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. In fact, those spiritual pursuits are only a, here's the tag, a preparation for the practical fulfillment of the mitzvot. As our sages said, Torah study is great because it leads to action. The Mishnah tells us, in other words, that the crown of the good name, despite being a physical, practical element, still supersedes the others. And the big question is, why should the crown of the good name, which reference refers to the actions, why should that be more important? Upon achieving all three crowns, we still have not reached the ultimate goal. After all, a person still retains his former identity even if it is now a holy identity. He's worked on himself for a full month. He's been working on himself. He's improved himself, but he is still himself. His existence, both his internal and external faculties, are saturated with godliness. But the ultimate goal is to put myself away, to nullify my own existence. To what? To the will of God. And that's when I break free of myself. And when I'm free of myself, then I can be the best vessel for God. This is accomplished through the crown of the good name, through fulfilling the commandments through which a person sets his own desires aside for the sake of illuminating the world. So now even a person who fulfills God's will, enjoys doing so and even comprehends it, he still retains his identity, he's still him. It's still Robert and Brian and Chaim. He might be a holy person, but he's limited to his personal constraints. The goal is get past myself. Get past yourself. Get past the limitations and become a part of God. How do you become a part of God? By doing what he asks you to do. We're no longer doing it because he told me to do it. Not even doing it because I want to do it. Not even doing it because I love doing it. I'm doing it because God. And here is this is, um, this is the, the the culminating point right here. This is the main part. Can you achieve 
the, the best part, the crown of the good name, without having the three proceeding, without having the, the, the three other crowns in advance. Can you go straight to fulfilling, to fulfilling the commandments and illuminating the world without first accepting the sovereignty, without first um, being having the Holy of Holies, without first um, being engraved with your Judaism and having a good time with it and studying the Torah? Can you do it first? So when the crown of the good name, the fulfillment of the mitzvot, does not follow the spiritual pursuits of the other three crowns, it will lack enthusiasm there's no such thing as a free lunch in that case the good deeds that he fulfills will supersede the other three pursuits because ultimately action is the main thing however this advantage is only in regards to the fulfillment of god's will god desires a world that is a dwelling place for him and that objective has been fulfilled however it doesn't do the same thing for the soul of the human. In regards to the person, it cannot be considered a crown. When the fulfillment of the commandments comes after engaging the first three crowns, then a person is able to transform his own persona as well. So the, min, the, mission, the mission emphasize is... Therefore, the crown of the good name comes after the first three. You need to have the crown of the good name following. When we fulfill a mitzvah, we obviously fulfill the will of God. But when we do it after achieving the first three goals, that's when the mitzvahs transform our actions and our desires and even our intellect and bring them all up to be godly things to do. And continuing with the last paragraph of what the Rebbe tells us, when the crown of the good name is built on the progress of the other three, not only does the individual merit to fulfill the will of God, he also elevates his own soul, which becomes a crown for him, and that brings him to true transcendence. For a quick example, just to illustrate it, imagine you're hiking. Right? What's a nice Jewish place to hike? Hike up the Masada Fortress in Israel. So one guy hikes, and the other guy takes the cable car to the top. Who's coming with me on the cable car? You go up the cable car, right? You go up the cable car, and you meet your friend up there who just schwitzed his way all the way to the top. And you, and you say to him, look, no, I'm here. But who really got there? Who really got up that mountain? The guy who schwitzed on the way up. The guy who worked hard. It's the same thing. Two people are fulfilling a mitzvah. We're both putting on tefillin. It's the, mo the guy who's putting on tefillin, who's worked hard to fulfill this mitzvah, he's accomplished more. He brought himself to incomparable heights. And my friends, this is the message. This is the message of the month. We're about to enter into the month of the high holy days. And you look at them and you say, what am I taking with me? How am I, gonna, how am I going to package this month to propel me into the coming year? How do you do it? You do it by focusing on where, on where you're going 
on following through the three steps. Each one of the holidays has a lesson. Each one of the holidays has a, a way to, to take yourself. And as you stack him, as you stack Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, then Sukkot, Simchat Torah, you come at the end to have so much Jewish excitement packed up at the, end of the, at the end of the month, you're ready to go into the world and blow people away with your Jewishness. You know, some people hide their Magin David that they have hanging on their chest. After Ata Simchat Torah, it comes out and it grows in size. Some people don't want to have their, uh, you know, some people don't want their neighbor to know they're Jewish. They want to have the mezuzah on their front door. Is that, how could, what if they know? When it comes to Russia, when it comes after the month of Tishrei, and we're burning and full and overflowing with Jewish excitement, that's when all of those holidays mean so much more. That's when, and that's when we push ourselves forward in the coming year to grow and to be the biggest and best that we can possibly be in our service of the Holy One. And that, my friends, is a blessing for all of us. May we take the lessons of the Holy Day into account. May we benefit the most from them at and celebrate the holy days with this in mind. Shabbat Shalom.